Welcome to episode nine, week eight of Hoo Hoo Hail. I am here with the sleek and fast Kathy Chong. Thank you so much, Jeff. I'm here with the lovely and smart Jeff Coe. The reason why Jeff gave me those compliments this morning, which was so nice of him, is because we are actually talking to you from the city of D.C. Um, I'm here this weekend to run the Marine Corps Marathon, and Jeff was kind enough to come to help support me. And Jeff, you have a history with this marathon. Um, what did you do last year? Ran it last year. Uh, it's cool because it, a lot of the members of the Armed Forces run the Marine Corps Marathon, and there's a lot of gentle rivalries between the different teams and the different armed forces and the race ends at the Iwo Jima Memorial. So the last point two, you'll look forward to it. You'll feel mm -hmm. like a hero because you're running up and ending at the top. And then the beautiful Marines will be handing you a lovely little um, mylar cover for, for you so you don't get cold and the ladies flirt so hard with the Marines. And so the challenge to who who today is like, how much can you flirt with the Marines and how, how at least at least make a Marine laugh? Like that's the challenge. Well, that's the thing. Hale knows how not great at flirting I am. Um, so so we'll see what happens. So the Marine Corps race will be tomorrow, but there's actually a lot going on today that that we need to get through lots of games to watch. But before that happens, we want to recap what happened last week. So let's start with Indiana versus Maryland. Um, that game last week, Jeff, do you have anything to say about it? It's Indiana is, and I promised Kathy that I would jinx Indiana because she jinxed Indiana herself by calling. So, so there's this terrible joke about how 10 and three, October 3rd, Brett McMurphy told this joke about Jim Harbaugh that October 3rd is Jim Harbaugh day. And then Kathy was like, well, does that mean looking at the historic performance? Because we, we were so sad about that mm -hmm. historic chart that um, May 7th, 5 and 7 is Indiana Hoosiers Day. So oh. by saying that, Kathy has jinxed Indiana to a lifetime of 5 and 7 games. And so I promised Kathy that I would jinx her today. But currently, Indiana Hoosiers are 5 and 2. So I saw this hashtag five and twosers. There are all these great, crazy, ebullient Indiana hashtags starting from non-Indiana <laughs> onwards because Indiana fans think they have a good young QB, a good team that the analytics love, which is definitely true. And so five and twosers, maybe 11 and twosers that they win out by the yeah. end of the year. I don't think that's going to happen. If that happens, they're going to be the one Indiana fan in the whole city of Chicago Kathy Chong will be rioting in the streets by herself. I'm, I will be rioting in the streets. I think realistically, if I had to guess, we'll be eight and fourgers or seven and fivegers. But you know, we'll we'll see what happens. Okay, those those make no sense because the whole point. I, I think I think Kathy has to work on her hashtag game. The whole point of why it's like those make no sense at all. I, I, wait, I just realized what you were doing. Okay. Two jurors is because yeah. it's two jurors. Yeah, no, so like, no, now I know. So like okay. five jurors, like the five syllables don't. The whole point is that the syllable lines up. So like <laughs> when we started this podcast, I was like, nine, Windiana. And it's like, oh, no. win and Indiana, the syllables line up. The whole point of the, the, the two jurors 
But so Caddy was reading it. Nine hashtag nine W Indiana. Yeah. It's like the whole point is the syllables line up, and the ones that you said they just don't line up. They don't make any sense. Oh my gosh! Yeah, um, I think Jeff was kind enough to edit that part out, but he's absolutely right. During our first episode, when I said hashtag nine W Indiana, he was like, "What are you saying? It's not right." Yeah, so I think I think uh, Hoo has to work on that hashtag game, but hopefully Indiana does better this week than your hashtag game but we'll, we'll get to the game shortly but tell us about how maryland was so i think our predictions last week actually um panned out i was listening to episode eight recapping week seven and i think our predictions of the maryland game and the penn state game held up they so did. a little bit of a shout out for who hailed being yeah. good predictors in the game but tell us how the game went yeah, what's really scary, you know, we joke that Vegas always knows, but in this case, they they really did know. And the crazy thing is the game ended up the way it did. So it was Indiana 34, Maryland 28. But I think the game could have gone differently if Penix had stayed the whole time. But he was out with 12 minutes left in the second quarter when Indiana was 14-7 with an injury. And did you ever figure out, like, what the injury was? I think it was, like, shoulder injury, right? He I got think, hit into yeah. the ground. I think that's something to do with like his arm or shoulder. Tom Allen doesn't think his injury is a long-term thing. So even for the game with Nebraska this week, it's going to be a game time announcement for whether he or Ramsey will play. But the Indiana Twitter, which as we always talk about, Indiana Twitter has, I don't know, several very vehement members. And it's unlike Michigan Twitter, where there's a lot of people tweeting about the game. Indiana Twitter is just a few loyal cadre of fans and and they were like, our quarterback is, there was really funny jokes, right? Our mm-hmm. quarterback is made of glass. Made of glass. I laughed at that. Or Crimson Core is like just freaking out. Like Indiana football is cursed. We'll never make it to a bowl game. Um, but somehow it worked out for you guys. Yeah. All jokes aside, I really will hand it to Peyton Ramsey. I mean, I'm sure it wasn't the best thing to hear that you're going to be the backup um, once the season started, but you know, he didn't transfer anywhere. He decided to stay with the team. He was more than willing to be ready at a moment's notice. And that's definitely what's happened this season. I mean, he had to go and he threw for 193 yards and had a, a touchdown. Um, so he did really, really great. So with him leading the way, um, the Hoosiers, we had 520 yards. Um, and so actually, yeah, we ended up having 334 through the air. Um, Ramsey went 20 for 27 and ran for 46 yards. And, and while Penix was out on the field, he had nine for 14 for 141 yards with a touchdown and, and one interception. Um, the other Hoosier that I will give a shout Our out to. Favorite. Yes, our favorite. How's he doing? How's Stevie doing? He, you know, he was a little slow to start this season, but he's really come along. Um, you know, I think being our one core running back that's really stood out, he took care of the ground game. He had 108 yards and, and two touchdowns this game against Maryland. And how about on the Maryland side of the ball? How, how they play? Their their record is, what are they? They're three and four? Uh, three and five now? Three and four? Seven games. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Three and four. They, yeah, they've only won one. Um, yeah, they're, they're kind of struggling a little bit. But so how, how'd they play against you? So, you know, they actually played okay, I would say. You know, their running back, Javon Leak, he ran for a career high, actually, for 158 yards. He scored twice for Maryland. And it actually came down to the very end for this game. Um, like Indiana games yes, are one like to Indiana be. like Indiana games always are. And, yeah. you know, 
as we know, Indiana did pull out the W because the final two possessions for the Terrapins ended in turnovers, but the yeah, one... I saw that pick and I was like, mm-hmm. wow, maybe yeah, you guys are going to finally, I was at Finn McCool's and I asked them to put up the game and they did put up the game. Oh, that's so nice. And I watched that last pick and I was like, oh my God, like really cutting it close. How yeah. does Vegas always know? I know. And, and what he's talking about, um, pick Rome. So he had to beat their backup quarter quarterback. He completed 17 of 27 passes for 210 yards, but his last pass was picked off by our Reese Taylor um, and that really solidified the game win for us. Can we add that to the game losing passes Hall of Fame of Piggy that we love? I know. <laughs> and we're referencing the game last year. Maryland could have beat Ohio State to yeah. send Michigan mm-hmm. to the title game in Minneapolis, mm-hmm. but we ended up watching Michigan versus Purdue instead basketball because Piggy didn't complete the pass and I guess this is another incomplete pass it is. that helps us I was gonna say it worked out in my favor so so thank you piggy I guess you'll be the person that I think this week um the last thing that I'll this say this is a piggy pig realm podcast yes it is week, this week yep. our honorary person I don't know if this is a this might be an, a little mean honorary naming <laughs> of the podcast but I think we love Piggy. We really do. We like do it's, love a, Piggy. it's not a it's not an ironic title. We love Piggy. Yeah. And and the last thing I'll say about this particular game is that, you know, a lot of people were saying, can this actually be the game that reverses the trend? You know, we had that trend of being a ninety nine point nine percent winning probability and we blow it. So and the last week we didn't blow it. So maybe we're shifting in the other direction and we're reversing that trend. And the person we have to thank, Piggy Pigro. So tell us about this week and today, what's going to happen later today? Yeah, so Indiana is going to Nebraska. Um, where Hoosiers are actually 0-5 against the Cornhuskers. The last time we beat them was a 23-7 victory in 1959. And this is just another example of why I think you're new um, to watching football and looking at records and being so intense about it. Mm-hmm. But when you quoted that, what was your stat from last week? Your stat was like... Uh, I use undefeated against Maryland. You had another similar uh, stat. No, like that. it was it was Purdue versus Maryland. Oh, Purdue. Yeah, Purdue yeah. is undefeated. Versus, Purdue was was undefeated. Yeah, yeah. So you ha- you have these crazy statistics where being a Michigan fan, and and this is why people think like Michigan fans are elitist. But we're gonna play Notre Dame tonight, and number one winning is Oregon versus number two, and the records are like I don't know fifty games won like. 40 games lost, 100 games played. <laughs> mm-hmm. And you say, list these statistics where it's like Purdue versus Maryland. Purdue's like undefeated in four games. Yeah, like, yeah. You know, right? And this one's what? Like the Hoosiers versus Nebraska. It's like they've played five games five in history mm-hmm. ever. And so you say they're undefeated and my eyes widen. I'm like, what? Like they've never won? And it's like they played five games. And this is another reason why conference alignment is crazy and because Nebraska and Maryland are both relatively new entrants to yes. the Big Ten. Yes. And despite the sort of like conference realignment within the conference too. So we had this, the, the year that nobody talks about where instead of Big Ten East versus Big Ten West, we had leaders versus legends. Okay. And it's another harrowing Big Ten Jim Delaney idea. And so on screen, it was L versus L. 
it's like we don't <laughs> like elves like no elves I know. You know but i think the leaders and legends were actually a little bit more balanced actually and to to sort of give them some credit because right now the east is stacked yes. and the west has one team maybe two if we count the gold gophers but they're, as you know, you know, you're not convinced. You just made a face because <laughs> they haven't played anybody, right? Well, it's funny because I, I was actually thinking to myself, I mean, I don't want to, you know, offend anyone who's in love with the Gophers. And I'm very proud of you guys. You are some of the tight wins. I have, you know, the, the undefeated season so far. But I was thinking to myself, I'm so glad I'm not friends with a Gopher because I feel like they would just be smug. I mean, I would be smug if my team had an undefeated season and I don't know how I would respond to that. Cause it's like, well, who have you played? I think if you, I don't know. Like, I think that was that year where UCF and Scott Frost, they decided to claim a national title because they were undefeated, but they mm -hmm. didn't, they weren't considered by the playoffs. And then they beat Auburn in a giant bowl game. And it's actually funny because Auburn, they had transitive victories over both the participants in the title game. Okay. Because Auburn beat both of them. And so UCF was like, well, we're clearly the undefeated uh, national title because yeah. they beat Auburn was, in the Was that the game. year that Michigan won too and he was trying to take the title away? Or was that a different No, year? no, this is recently. Oh, this so is this recently. Is like okay. The job okay. that he had. Um, and it, it's relevant, actually, that we're talking about that because we're talking about Nebraska. Yeah. So Scott Frost rode that UCF team all the way to the homecoming as the Golden Sun mm -hmm. as the Nebraska coach. Um, but before he got the Nebraska job, the year, the final year he had at UCF, he won the quote unquote national title at UCF because they were undefeated, beat Auburn in the bowl game, 13 and 0, wasn't considered for the playoffs, but had transitive wins. And so it credit to the UCF marketing team, they went all out. They like bought a banner for the stadium, <laughs> they bought gear, they printed t-shirts, they had a social media campaign. But so that's the coach that you have to play against uh, yeah. today, the undefeated, the coach of the undefeated UCF team. It's interesting because the line has been a little bit all over the place. So if you look at SP, they're eight favored for Indiana, but Vegas, who I hope doesn't always know today, um, they're one and a half points in favor of Nebraska. And so one of the topics that Huhu Hale has been discussing on this end in the studio this past week is how there's the eye test where humans who watch the game think, mm -hmm. oh, like, and it's a parlor game. What if we matched up this team looking, depending on their strengths, like do they have a strong front seven, a strong run game, a strong pass game, pass defense. And a lot of the game recaps that we've been reading, it's the this team's pass defense versus this other team's pass offense. And so there's the eye test where humans look at it. And then there's analytics where we're looking at the newly renamed SP, which I love because it delineates all the people who followed the college football last year, yeah, aka me, mm -hmm. the hell portion, and the new people uh, on the other end, who who. So who who calls it SP, and I'm like, what the heck is SP? And I've always called it SNP, and then I realized that as a financial lawyer, that they've renamed SNP to SP because Standard and Poor was like, we don't want to be. Yeah. Uh, and so it's funny that that's a clear delineation of the generation difference. But so there's all these fancy analytics and they, you know, crunch the numbers and they see the team differently from the eye test. And I think everyone's just a little bit, humans are a little bit skeptical. I mean, maybe all humans except Hoo Hoo are a little bit skeptical about the Indiana offense 
I'm an Indiana team, but computers love Penix. And I think that's true. Penix is Mm -hmm. a great statistical quarterback. And the thing about statistical quarterbacks is, can those stats translate into human victories? And I think that's the big challenge for you guys uh, this week. Um, How about you? Do you think that Indiana, what do you think? Do you think that Indiana looks as good as the statistics? I mean, honestly, the game that I saw them live was against OSU, oh, yeah. so I don't have much to work off of. I mean, I watch on the TV. Yeah. How, how do you, what's your opinion as an Indiana fan on the, whether there is a gap between the eye test or analytics, or, you know, you're looking at the stats, you're looking at the team. What's, what's your take? That's a good question. Based off what I've seen, I do think Indiana, and, and take it with a grain of salt because I've been watching for maybe you know, one to two years, I think the team this year is the best that I've seen them. So I do think that they're playing really well. I think Penix is the real deal. He's really good. Even with Peyton, we can have some of those tough road wins that maybe we necessarily didn't have in the past. So I think we look good. You know, OSU was really troubling, but, you know, look at Wisconsin. Or actually, that's going to happen today. but, But look at other teams that have played OSU and how they've done or some of the other tougher teams um, how some of the teams have played Wisconsin no offense so I think when you play a tough team like that it's hard Indiana hasn't proven that we can beat a really good team Um, we came close to Michigan State who I would say is a pretty good team Um, we'll see how we do against Penn State coming up Um, you know I think Penn State will be very telling Michigan might be telling and, and then, you know, I'll have a better answer there. But but really, I think we're good. It just It's just going to come down to how we play against the really good teams. Interestingly enough, one of the sections, as we were talking about this all week, one of the sections of the MGLO blog preview on our game is another example of this humans versus computer uh, delineation. So I think humans like Notre Dame a lot, and the computer finds that the way that they played in all their games, they're not much more than one touchdown better. And if you're one touchdown better, a lot of variance happens in football where one thing could happen and then you lose, right? So the computers don't think they're that good. And I think that's been exemplified by how the the line movements uh, in Vegas. So I think Michigan started out as a minus four favorite so Notre Dame gets four points, and that's because the computer doesn't think Notre Dame that's good. Um, we're playing at home at the big house. But then people who, humans who are watching Notre Dame are like, wait, Michigan fumbles, Michigan can't pass. Michigan, maybe they, they just looked at the top line of the Penn State. Um, so the rule in Vegas is always that people bet favorites. That is very clear. But then there's also sharp money Sharp money is the veteran compulsive experienced gamblers. And I think everyone just looked at Notre Dame with the reputation and watching them and looked at Michigan and they're like, what, you're going to give me four points to bet on Notre Dame? I'll take the four points and take that money all the Mm -hmm. way to the bank. So now the line has shifted to be Notre Dame minus, right? So I think that that line movement might be an example of the eye test versus analytics. That's that's my gut feeling. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And we'll get back we'll get back to the preview for Michigan versus Notre Dame here in a second. 
um, just to wrap up Nebraska really quick for today, you know, they're coming off a of bye week. Um, the week before they lost to Minnesota 34-7. What I'll say is, you know, if this game was at home for Indiana, I really think we would win, no question. I think we would win by at least a touchdown or two even. But because this is on the road, um, Nebraska has won, you know, most of their games at home. Um, I think it'll be a tougher fight for us. But I do think Indiana will come off with a win, you know, maybe by three points, maybe by a touchdown. I think we'll be able to pull this one off. Um, a couple questions in place. Actually, both teams have QB uncertainty. Um, we don't know if Penix will be able to play today. I think that could make a big difference on the Nebraska side. Um, Adrian Martinez is hurt, and so we're not sure if he or Noah Vidral will be starting for them. Um, so, so we'll see. Uh, Martinez has been wearing a knee brace as of late. So there's some question marks. I think I do think based on the eye test alone, in my opinion, Indiana has proven themselves, maybe not against the best teams in the country, but against okay teams. So far, we've really proven ourselves, and Nebraska still needs to kind of answer that question. So, so we'll see what happens today. Um, Jeff, do you want to shift gears and talk about Michigan, Penn State? So I have a question for you. Um, one thing that was really made fun of kind of after halftime was Jim Harbaugh was quoted as saying, this will be Michigan's finest hour. Um, do you think that happened? He definitely delivered on that. Uh, but I mean, I have a lot of mixed feelings because they go down into this 21-0 hole and Jim Harbaugh's teams start really slow on the road. So I think if you include that touchdown that Penn State scored uh, shortly to start the second quarter, and, and that's only because their drive was at the end of the field and then time ran out in the first quarter, We've been outscored something like 77 to 9 or 77 to 3, something along those lines, in the first quarter of games on the road. And so Jim Harbaugh's teams just start slow. And maybe that's a question, I mean, that's something that we've been all trying to figure out, but maybe that's a question of how he coaches, how his teams play this plotting style, more supposedly more methodical, but ironically this year, error prone, but he said when he was asked at the half down 21-7 that it would be our finest hour. And in fact, this was the first time that Michigan's offense clicked as a team. Our mm -hmm. defense has been good. Like we completely flamoxed Iowa, but we saw sort of what Gaddis was trying to do. They started to run these bubble screens that looked amazing. And um, I don't know. I mean, if it, if they had gotten it started or hadn't been in deep, as deep of a hole, then we wouldn't have needed our finest hour yeah. or our finest hour would have won, won the game. But pretty much the first 21 points were a total disaster. There were some rough calls that were totally wrong, like just on replay, completely wrong. And then Penn State, I think the big statistic is they only had 280 yards because our defense did a good job, but 190 of them were on sixth place to KJ Hamler touchdowns. Mm -hmm. They totally explosive plays that destroyed us. And so if you take away those six explosive plays and you take away the bad ref calls, we're probably up like 42-17, something okay. like that. And so the game, as you all know, ended with a 
uh, ended up with our two-star turned all-star receiver, uh, who Ronnie Bell, who was probably the best player in our game, the best player in the game. Uh, I mean, KJ Hamler was the best player in the game, um, in the aggregate, but on our side, Ronnie Bell was the best. And yeah, he got set up for a game time pass. So who knows what would have happened if he caught that touchdown pass on fourth down and it just hits his chest and rolls off and he falls to catch it and Poor he drops guy. it. Yeah. And, and uh, yeah, but I, I think my guess is if they make that touchdown, either Harbaugh does something crazy like goes for two or, you know, they play into the overtime and State still had a little bit of time, but the momentum had clearly shifted mm -hmm. since those 21 points. Like Penn State had like seven yards in the third quarter or something like that. And the crowd, the whiteout crowd, I didn't like that, but they started booing Penn State for playing. I don't like that either. Even though they were winning. Yeah. Uh, and there were some sort of coaching miscues, I think. Um, several fourth down plays, which were total head scratchers. So fourth on Michigan's 47, we didn't go for it. Uh, the 58-yard field goal to end the first half. Um, I don't know. Uh, I think the big question that I've been thinking about is sort of what this means for the season. And I think, you know, the optimist in me says we have the three rivalry games still to play. And there is a crazy scenario that I was telling you on the phone that if Ohio State beats Penn State, if Penn State loses to Michigan State today, and if Ohio State loses to Wisconsin today, mm -hmm. then we still have a chance to go to Indy. Because um, that, but I think that requires Michigan taking care of business. And so far we haven't. I mean, the Wisconsin game, okay, there's no way. But here, I don't know. They really could have had something. The stats, they've let, doubled up Penn State in most categories. Um, but such as life, like you go down on the road, uh, tough game, wide out. Uh, and if you're not sharp and you have to beat the refs, beat the crowd, then it's hard. That's sort of what it was like. How did you feel watching the game? Yeah, I will say, you know, the first half I was kind of like, come on, you know, there was definitely some mistakes that, that were made and, and, you know, the second half, I have not seen your boys play like that this year yet. Just, they had so much heart. I remember, um, one of the touchdowns, Shay literally had 20 people on top of him and Ben Mason pushed him so that he could be over the line. And then right after that, I mean, Shay got up and he kept playing. And, and, and so that play, I don't know if you've read about it, but like they were dirty. So the Penn State guys tried to gouge out Shay Patterson's eyes. <gasps> so, I didn't know that. Yeah. So they like poked poke fingers like try to try to literally scoop out his eyeballs. oh my gosh yeah so people wow. often say like in a rugby scrum anything goes but i don't know i don't think you should try to i think i think i think my personal opinion is that michigan teams are coached better in that mm -hmm. it's just much more sportsmanlike. but yeah they tried to gouge out his eyes and that's terrible but i think you know screw penn state for doing that like yeah. that of all the things that they did um, I think Raj had, as always, a spawn-on joke uh, where where his joke, and I'm just going to read it and not explain it, mm -hmm. but his joke was, Penn State taking its reputation for willful blindness 
to the next level. And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's rough. But yeah. yeah, I mean, screw Penn State for doing that. So I have a few quick questions for you based on what I saw. And I just want to hear your opinion. So I know Jim Harbaugh had to call a timeout even before the first play. Do you think that was the whiteout effect? Um, what do you think happened there? Yeah, so people always say like, I don't know. I don't, it doesn't bother me as much. People, when, when it happened, people were like, how can you be so unprepared? And I, I think where I saw this happen, where I saw this happen, the opposite of this is Michigan State versus Michigan last year in East Lansing. I went with my boy, Daryl Saylor, to the game. And Michigan State for the first 10 to 15 minutes and Michigan State for the rest of the game, totally different. So mm-hmm. Coach D had clearly brought out, you know, and, and all of football, as we talked about, is all about breaking tendency, right? Like you do things nine times out of 10 one way. So the team expects you, but you have a beautiful little counter. And so everyone's shifting this way because that's your tendency. And then you go the other way mm-hmm. and beat them for a big touchdown. Yeah. So it's all about X's and O's, rock, paper, scissors, breaking tendencies, watching film. And Coach D had clearly watched film and just scripted the most. And that man is a good tactician. Got to give it to him. He can't get his offense together because it's someone else doing it right now. And he's loyal to his staff. But when he's the person taking a pen, it looks amazing. And so he'd scripted all these beautiful breaking tendency plays. And for the first 10 minutes, Daryl and I were just flabbergasted. We are just like, are we really going to lose? But then we are clearly the better team. And mm-hmm. as I told you, the tendencies towards talent, the talent discrepancies will play out 50 minutes into the game. You know, that's why it's 60 minutes, yep, not yep. that. But if it were 10 minutes, we would have lost by a lot. Yeah. And so, and so that's the opposite of this, right? And so people are like, well, you also can script plays. Like, what's going on? And I think, I think Michigan doesn't, Honestly, I think Michigan doesn't script out its plays. Mm-hmm. I think even John Beeline scripts his plays. He, he used to for a long time. And then I think he just started trusting his talent. And so he doesn't script plays now. I think last year I read an article about this point as applied to Beeline. And Beeline said now he just kind of like theme. Like he, he sets out a theme. And so you got here and it's like, oh, we know that Matt Painter at Purdue does XYZ. So we're going to do a theme a scripted theme, not like actual plays. And obviously I think there are far fewer possessions in football. Mm-hmm. So scripting makes a lot more sense. But my guess is that Harbaugh doesn't. And so people all just were ready to throw in the towel. But I think what was said to me this week was like, well, you know, nobody really cares about the timeouts at the end of the first half that much. Mm-hmm. There are scenarios where it comes into play and, this is a whole separate different to- topic, but our two-minute offense at the end of the half sucks. Like, we have a terrible two-minute offense, and that's like a – that is a black mark against Harbaugh's teams and Gattis. But I think this one's just – you come out here, it's loud. Use the timeout. Don't take the penalty. I, I didn't yeah. think it was that big of a deal. So so I guess, you know, if timeouts don't matter as much in the first half, is that why James Franklin didn't use them? Um, there were so many jokes going around that he was saving his timeouts for halftime. <laughs> Um, because he didn't really use his timeouts during the first half. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think. So, you know, I think any student of football, if you are going to watch James, James Franklin's clock management or, or basically he's, he has his reputation of being the worst person to ever do this. Mm-hmm. And our nickname on the Michigan 
vlogs is, and, and it's a hundred percent because of his clock management decisions. It's our nickname is frames Jenklin because his, he wears glasses and there are these wonderful memes of him looking confused in his frames and his, <laughs> and his clock calling plays are janky. So that's why he's frames Jenklin. And I think the solid verbal anytime across the country, a team makes questionable time management decisions. They say, how much James Franklin is this? Like, <laughs> that's so, funny. So that's the name for Okay, that. okay. So, so he's known for doing that. Okay. Yeah, yeah. He okay. just, I think like the, I think the problem is, I don't know. This is just me watching him. I don't know. The man, he seems like a really nice guy. But I think he like is one of those guys that has so much energy and he's so excited and he's so worked up. And he's like, oh my God, I got to call time out now. Yeah. And, and he, he's just so emotional. And my favorite meme from last season is like, there's this gif of how, as I described, I need to call him on this. And, yeah. and he's like on the sideline ready to come out and call time out. And there's this assistant who physically restrains James Franklin. Oh, you told me about this. Yeah. <laughs> calling a time out. And it's like, yes, that is in fact, like how everyone feels about his clock management. So, but kudos to Penn State. Like Michigan always says that when it comes to clock management, what you need is a Madden kid. So someone who's played Madden all his life, mm -hmm. who knows all about the last second craziness that you can play on Madden, and you need to pay that Madden kid. You don't even have to pay him a real salary. Pay him $15,000 to be on the sideline mm -hmm. to do this. But I think Penn State has a Madden kit because I saw the Madden kid restrain James Franklin. Oh, so yeah. Kudos mm -hmm. to the program. Great yeah. win for them. Uh, good luck to them. I think, yeah, I think really what it is is a lot of what Michigan's been talking about is what does the team have left to play for? And part of it is that from a macro perspective, that's a little crazy that the playoffs have made it so that so that there's something to play for if you can't make the playoffs yeah, and only four teams can true. make it. And it's the same damn four teams, right? It's Alabama, Clemson, and then maybe someone who gets in there, Ohio State, Michigan State, that's like cannon fodder for Alabama and Clemson. You know, maybe a second SEC team. And it's just... You know, it's like, I don't know, like, those are the only teams that can have seasons in football, right? So I think from a program perspective, I think I'm rooting for the boys and I'm trying not to be a dismal pessimist who says, nothing matters now, but it is funny that I was joking with Kathy yesterday. What happens if your football season is over even before basketball season <laughs> starts and basketball season is about to start in 10 days and we're super excited about that? the news out of practice and out of um, Michigan, and, and you'll have to do the scoop on inside the hall next time we speak. But the news is that in our scrimmage against UDM, Detroit Mercy, and these are closed door scrimmages. So ours closed door, but news always gets out. So the news is that Michigan State lost in its closed door scrimmage, which everyone, we kind of laughed at a little bit. Yeah. Uh, Michigan Michigan State, the yeah. number one projected team? Yeah, country? they lost oh, in their wow. closed-door okay. scrimmage. I forget who they played. Yeah. But Michigan's closed-door scrimmage was against Detroit Mercy down the street, which has always like a scrappy, good basketball team uh, that makes a tournament sometimes. Uh, and our scrimmage, David DeJulius, Mr. Michigan basketball uh, of the state, uh, and he had, I think... His career high from last year was against that amazing housewarming opening party 
that Michigan basketball threw at Villanova where it was a rematch of the title game and we smoked them. And I think tickets were like $2,500 to get into the opening of the Villanova new basketball stadium. And we gave them a coronation, welcomed (laughs) the defending champs to their new stadium with like a 30 point shellacking. And David DeJulius's uh, career high is from that game because the bench warmers got to play four points. But the news from scrimmage is that David DeJulius came off the bench and he scored nine out of 10 three-pointers off the bench. Wow. Okay. Um, so, and we definitely Great. need that shooting. Uh, so that's basketball. We're really excited about that. Maybe it's um, the new Carson. That's cool. Yeah, exactly. But so, so, but Michigan's football season is over before its basketball season begins. And while on one hand, it was this sad statement to make, on the other hand, we do have meaningful football and basketball seasons. And how many teams, how many teams across the country can say that? Yeah, I think that's the difference between Hoo and Hale because Hale is like, you know, even if Michigan goes to a bowl, which they do every year, he doesn't care. He doesn't want to go, you know, unless it's the the playoffs. And for Hoo Hoo, for me, if Indiana goes to a bowl, like I want to physically be there. I'm going to go. I'm going to move mountains to, to make sure I'm there because I'm so excited. So it, it is kind of funny to see the differences between where we are and the legacies of, of both our teams. Um, the funny part is that, let me say this, because I have to, Indiana has neither football or oh, basketball stop, stop. are meaningful. Five, five banners, five banners. How many banners do you have in basketball? Neither. <laughs> Neither your football season or your basketball season is going to be meaningful. And so how about that? Oh, I, I am I am so angry. Like don't don't watch the Marine Corps race tomorrow. I'm so angry. <laughs> what are you guys ranked in the preseason for basketball? Thirty. Well, right? no, they in the Big Ten. Oh, in the Big Ten. Yeah. Ten Ninth, in the Big Ten. 10 or, 11. or eleven. Yeah. And so how is that gonna be in the Big Ten? This is like Big Ten's not even well, I mean Big Ten might be a good basketball conference, but you guys are Michigan's ranked even with a coaching change with all our players leaving. We're a borderline tournament team because it's, uh, I think it's some confidence in the program in some of the players and maybe coach Howard as a newbie coach. Uh, but I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, people make fun of me too about what you're doing a wait, what an Indiana sports podcast. And so uh, I just had to channel some of that energy into the microphone. Okay, Jeff. We, so we were going to talk about Michigan-Notre Dame next to see what would happen. And I was going to say, I predict Michigan winning by three, but I think I'm going to change that prediction now. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, but, um, but Jeff, I, I guess, it, and, you know, what do you think will happen today against Notre Dame? So the funny part is that Notre Dame and this rivalry, just in terms of scheduling, and I think it, it, this is all pizza guy's fault, Right, Dave Brandon, athletic director, like Brady Hoke, the series. I think part of so Notre Dame fleeced us because we canceled it. Um, I think the next time was supposed to be a Michigan home game, and then Notre Dame sort of said, "Yes, if we restart it, we must start it as a Notre Dame home game." So they kind of stole one home game's worth of revenues, and Jim Harbaugh was like, "That's fine, we'll come play." And I think one of the memes that have been coming across on the internet is how 
teams generally don't play a first game away. Okay. And if you combine that with Harbaugh's record at the big house is like 30 and four, but his record away is like 16 and 12. Mm -hmm. And so, but somehow Harbaugh likes this first game away. And if you lose this first game away, it can really like tank your season. So teams generally don't schedule that. They schedule the cupcake. But Harbaugh fears no challenge. So he schedules these first games away. And I mean, he lost to Utah. He lost to Notre Dame. Like this is stuff that happens, right? And so, but Notre Dame fleeced us that one home game. And if you look, peel behind the curtain at the economics of college football, Michigan just canceled the series with UCLA so that we would have an additional home game. Okay. So people have been breaking down the economics. And I think if we have to pay UCLA $1.5 to cancel the game. And part of it is because we thought that Chip Kelly would do better at UCLA, and now they really suck. Mm -hmm. So that's going to hurt us on the schedule as well. But I think people are saying, even though we're paying UCLA 1.5 mil, it's still a profitable decision for Michigan because a home game takes in like $5 million. Yeah. Even before the economic benefit of having 200,000 people come to Ann Arbor for the area. And so the point is that Notre Dame kind of stole that money. And traditionally, Michigan Notre Dame was the first game of the season. That's just how the rivalry has always been. But I think Notre Dame's kind of flexing its muscle because we have to beg them to reschedule, reignite this rivalry. So it's at this weird time, right? And as you know from my off-season predictions and how I was super upset with ESPN for picking Michigan as a playoff team because we weren't, mm -hmm. I think this, where we are now, is sort of where I expected we would be. Uh, I kind of thought that we would beat Wisconsin, but who knew that they're so good? And then Penn State right out was just a toss-up, which it turned out to be a toss-up. So we are kind of where we are going into that game. Um, I am surprised that Vegas had us winning by four points. I think I don't really know this Nerdine team that well. Like, I know last year's team that we lost to, that was really good. Yeah. Um, apparently yeah. this team's a little different. Um, so we shall see. It's supposed to rain in Ann Arbor. Um, so I think toss-up game, it's more interesting for me to see how the boys will respond coming out after that tough loss. Um, but other than that, I, I, I read the previews for Notre Dame, and I just, I don't, you know, have a good handle okay. on... Okay, so you, you think uh, it could really be a toss-up either way? I just don't really have a prediction one way or okay. the other. But I'm just surprised that we're favored. I mean, yeah. I think it really depends on whether or not if Michigan's second half against Penn State team comes out, we win this game. Yeah. So I had they... you all by three, or I did, um, just because you all are at home. Yeah, which which means you have it as a toss-up, yes. pretty much. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, just got to rub it in. Mm -hmm. Meaningful football and basketball <laughs> scenes. I kind of saved that for a podcast. I didn't say that to you on the phone. Yeah, I, I would not I, have had the reaction I did. <laughs> yeah, I wanted wanted to capture We would have fought beforehand. <laughs> yeah, I wanted your live reaction. But, but you know, it's sad but true. Um, so... All right, I'm going to switch gears and, and go to Purdue. No, 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 i got to say one more thing. <laughs> Do you remember the look on the Win Sportsbook guy when you yes. said... Yes, unfortunately. That, the look when you're just like, maybe I might bat on Indiana football. And he was like, give that money to me, man. <laughs> yeah, they're not really supposed to say anything, I imagine. But yeah. the look, he was pretty much shaking his head when I considered Indiana what? football. Yeah, it's like, yeah. so that's, that's all you need to know. <laughs> 
right. But I think, I think, no, I think you doing this podcast is good luck for them. This is the, <laughs> you started this podcast and they're having the best season in decades. <laughs> yeah. So like, is that a coincidence? I think, I think not. not. Yeah. yeah well, there you go. <laughs> oh my gosh. So funny. Um, so going on to, to people I care less about, um, Purdue. So they, for Rival Watch, they played Iowa last week and they, it was 20 Purdue, 26 Iowa. Um, game was kind of a slog fest. Iowa had to really grind this one out. Um, Iowa was coming off of a couple losses. They've had to grind um, every game out, that's right? Like, true. That's crazy. true. Like against that's just their style. That's just how they play this year. We're about to head to a bar to watch the Iowa Northwestern game. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh man, like, why are we watching that? But, <laughs> but it's because Ian, yeah, Ian Schley is an Iowa fan. And maybe we'll get him on the cast next week um, to to talk about the Iowa program. We'll, we'll see whether he wants to. But damn, like, I don't know. I, I really politely, because he's such a huge Iowa fan, I really politely said, do you think they'll have a TV showing <laughs> the Ohio State-Wisconsin game at this Iowa bar? And I didn't want to upset him, but really I want to say, I don't care about your game. I want to yeah. watch that game. <laughs> uh, but we, we will watch um, Coach Fitz, because we like Coach we Fitz. We like him. And he's a good guy. He's having a tough year. Tough mm-hmm. year. Um, so we'll watch him. But damn. Um, yeah. So, but yeah, tell us, tell us, give us, give us the rival watch. Yeah. So it's interesting. Um, Purdue is still dealing with their injuries. We said this week after week with Sindelar and Rondale Moore. Um, you know, all the articles I read for, for this game, Jeff, they were saying that Purdue's defense was so good. They were able to hold Iowa to just three field goals. They forced Iowa to actually ended up being four field goals. Um, and I think that's more Well, that's what I was going to say. Offense. Like, is it that or is it that Iowa's offense is bad? Um, they didn't even get a touchdown until there was seven minutes and 26 seconds left in the third quarter. So People were talking about Nate Stanley as uh, – Number one, well, not number one, but first round draft pick. And I'm like, I don't think so. Like, he just, <laughs> he looks like a statue of a quarterback. You know, yeah. like they love those like six three dudes who like can survey the field like a floor general. But honestly, no, no. Like I was never on what Solid Verbal calls the stink for Stanley, like tanking campaign where NFL teams will tank for a quarterback pick. I just never got in that bandwagon. Mm-hmm. And, and I mean, I don't know. I mean, I don't know how much of it is his fault and how much of it is Iowa's offensive line's fault. I think Ian seems to think that Iowa's offensive line is very suspect, uh, which is true because we sacked Nate Stanley eight times. But once the sacks started coming, he started making all these crazy mistakes. And so I don't know. I'm not sold. I'm not sold on Iowa. That's fair. That's fair. And, you know, to wrap up this game, um, after the first half, Purdue, so they had a shot, um, and then Iowa intercepted an underthrown ball to David Bell, who's Purdue's wide receiver, um, and then Purdue actually had a pretty late touchdown to pull within six, um, but then the Hawkeyes managed to, to pull out the W. So Purdue goes to back to Ross-Aid, which is their home stadium, to face Illinois this week. In the and- pantheon of hyphenated name stadiums, yes, as you know. Yes. yeah. And, you know, I think everyone thought Illinois looked like a guaranteed win for Purdue, but since they beat Wisconsin last week, um, no one knows for sure now. Okay. Well, yeah, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. So let's go to Ohio State. What happened last week? So 
the line was, and I think Daniel Linquist, none of my friends who I'm going to watch the game against Michigan State at, he was saying, just hammer the over on Ohio State. Just keep hammering the over. And I think we were talking about how there are certain games, certain teams that really flamox the odds makers. Because I asked you why the line was so low. And one yeah. team that's like that is Rutgers on the other direction. Mm -hmm. So it's like, how bad is Rutgers actually? And so if you set a line, it presents a similar problem from the other direction, right? And so this line was four touchdowns. And four touchdowns is a lot, right? But Ohio State just blew past it. And I think, you know, I don't know what to say about this game. I think your notes on the game are really complimentary and we shouldn't record these compliments in posterity <laughs> so we're gonna we're gonna say we're not gonna read any of these okay like, fine because yeah, like yeah. they Kathy, are pretty complimentary notes yeah Kathy has these like elaborate show notes about just basically like oh she was awesome it's like and, and like all the ways that make them awesome it's like um okay no we're not gonna read that but the line is 52-3 and on Wisconsin that is the summary of the game on Wisconsin. On <laughs> All right, Wisconsin. let's talk about Wisconsin then. Um, you know, last week they actually lost to Illinois, uh, Wisconsin 23, Illinois 24. Um, and the, what, the what big takeaway from this game, I think that I have two takeaways from this game. One is when Lovey Smith played us, coach Lovey Smith, old ball coach from Chicago, he had the most magnificent beard. The beard just looks amazing. <laughs> and so the game was kind of boring and then it got exciting and then it got boring again against us. And so basically all the attention, other than the exciting part, was there was um, meme accounts sharded for Lovey's, Coach Lovey's beard. There are all these pictures <laughs> of the beard and the beard was just given human feelings. So it's like this beard, the beard is sad or the beard is happy or the beard is excited. <laughs> and it's just perfectly manicured and groomed. And I think when the kicker took the kick and coach lovey trusted him to win the game and that kicker basically it was so funny because there's this they picked him up and he's like kind of sitting in front of the scrum and there's this amazing picture of illinois kicker where he's like he's like oh my god i can't believe i did that that was so stressful Aww, but this is awesome yeah and so everyone's like that took that photo and said this man's gonna have so much fun tonight in champagne and then i started arguing with my friends how much fun can you have in Champagne? It's terrible. <laughs> and so, but so he was amazing. And Coach Lovey was like, I mean, he's been trying to turn around Illinois mm -hmm. and it's so hard, so hard, right? And I think his face is a study of human emotions because he's <laughs> looking at his kicker and he's like, and I'm just inventing all these, but just looking at his facial expression and the facial expression of his beard, the beard expression. <laughs> and he's just like, Good things might happen. It's been so bad for so long. And then the kick goes through. But he's not like exuberant. He's not like dancing like another coach that like I coach know. Alan Wood yeah. Or, yeah. Yeah. He's just like, I still have a job. Like I still have a job. <laughs> like I think it was just like a relief feeling. Yeah, like, I think more that was relief than celebration. Yeah. So yeah. they were it was the biggest underdog win, 31 points. Mm -hmm. Um I disagree with you that Combe was good. I don't I don't think Combe was good. Well, they weren't good but they gave the game away because they cone and jonathan taylor had fourth quarter turnovers yeah yeah i mean oh i mean yeah yeah so so because uh, i started watching the fourth so so i think that that might be true uh and um i think good for brandon peters 
because yes. Wisconsin Ooh. plays, I think Wisconsin plays kind of dirty against Michigan, against our quarterbacks. And then this is definitely coaching. Mm-hmm. So they have strict instructions from Paul Christ to up and, and smash our quarterback into the ground after the, after the play clock ends. And so they knock, they keep knocking out our quarterbacks with concussions for dirty plays. So you saw that they knocked out Dylan McCaffrey. Yeah. They did the same thing against Brandon Peters. And so the, t- the time before this game that Brandon Peters played against Wisconsin was the game that Wisconsin knocked him out with a dirty hit. We saw that two years ago. That yeah. was the Duffy's game. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Total yeah. dirty hit. Yeah. Again, and knocked that. out Brandon Peters and almost ruined our season. And so good for Brandon Peters to beat Illinois. Uh, good for Brandon Peters' mom. So Brandon Peters' mom tweeted out. And I think, I actually think the Peters family, I don't know, I was trying to figure out, but I think I think if you were had bad blood, you wouldn't do this. So I think they have a good relationship with Harbaugh, but, you know, but Brandon Peters didn't make it. And, you know, it's like, sometimes you don't make it. So they parted on like, okay terms. But so Brandon Peters' mom tweeted after this win, who's got it better than us? which is the Harbaugh family slogan. Mm-hmm. And says so just a gentle rib at Coach Harbaugh because Coach Harbaugh lost to Wisconsin. Yeah. And so my, the best, the best tweet that I saw was from Scott Bell who said, based on the transitive properties of football, since we beat Illinois and Illinois beat Wisconsin, we beat Wisconsin. <laughs> and that's all we're going to talk about. Yeah, I remember Jeff uh sent me a, a screenshot of that tweet and I had to sit and I was like, wait, is this a joke? Because you guys lost to Wisconsin. Yeah, we're better than Wisconsin. We are, <laughs> but I mean, I'm rooting for Wisconsin today. They have to be Ohio State. So, uh, yeah. Um, I think I think someone said that Lovey had a bigger win than Harbaugh, which is totally bullshit. Like, <laughs> I think uh, they always they always um try to pick on Harbaugh like that. Anyone has a big win, they'll say like Harbaugh had a big win. And every game that Harbaugh has to play in has to be the biggest game ever of his life. Yeah. And then he wins it and it's like the other team isn't that good. Right? Like it's like, I don't know. People just bully Harbaugh. That's what you get when you have a personality that's that big. Yeah. I mean, we saw that list of the highest paid coaches. Yeah, right? we did. And like other than, other than Dabo and Saban and I think there. Jimbo Fisher has the title, right? But from a long time ago, everyone else has worse records than Harbaugh mm-hmm. and they get paid more or mm-hmm. similar. So yeah, it's like, let's talk about, you know, Jeff Brom from Purdue. He's making 6.6 million and that averages out to about 3.3 million per win so far this season. Yeah. And it's funny. I think it's funny because it's a lot of work to coach a program. Um, but I think if you are measuring it like off season recruiting, you're being paid to do a lot of things mm-hmm. like film study, talking to families, keeping the boosters happy. But I think if you're measuring it by deliverables in the field, that is a funny way to do it. Mm-hmm. $3.3 million for win. Um, yeah. Uh, so run down some other sort of, we have some show notes from the, from the log. Uh, we, ever since we talked about finding the best IU hoodie to fit Kathy, we are experts on the Indiana gear. We are, yeah. And where to buy it what stores sell it in two cities in Bloomington and Indianapolis, you know, exactly. And I'm always on the hunt for, uh, as you know, off season, like off kilter, random jokes about on shirts, about programs that are about sort of lore, about things that are less 
known other than true fans. I just like a lot of diverse gear instead of, you know, just the, the very standard stayed gear. And so we stopped by Syracuse and Syracuse's gear is amazing. It's yes. both fancy and there's a lot of funny shirts. Like yes. I got the amazing caution free two zone. That's like a construction <laughs> shirt in orange, which is such a funny joke because Syracuse is orange. So it's a construction cone that says instead of construction zone, free two zone. And it's just so it's clever. So good. Uh, but there's beautiful gear and clever gear and their gear is amazing. Yeah. And then what did you think about the carrier dome? It was we huge. We didn't, it. we didn't get inside, but I mean, no knock against assembly hall. It's like yeah. one of the classic venues. Uh, we didn't get to go inside. I always watch it. It's like crazy, like 35,000 people. It's nuts. Which is crazy. It, assembly hall is huge and amazing, but I think we see a little bit half of that. We see a little over 17,000. So how is, so Syracuse gear, IU gear, Michigan gear, Harvard gear, the stores in terms of the gear design, give us, give us your compare and contrast Ooh. review. Okay. Just, just thoughts. Yeah. I mean, about each. Syracuse was a huge standout. I think that one takes the medal for the best gear, just in terms of creativity, what Jeff said in terms of quality, there's a lot of good tech material that I would wear to work out. Um, if you support that great. team. If I support that team, yes. Um, I think a close second, or not close second, but a second would be Michigan and the M-Den. Um, yeah, that's just impressed. the biggest alumni base. Yeah. They have the, we, we always joke about how there's the pretty uh, lady coach, yes. coach wife line. And then in fact, after, after we told that joke, Sarah Harbaugh launched her line at the end end right which is exactly oh she did yep. yeah yeah so there's the pretty there's the pretty um uh, like fancy lady gear yeah you and then can there's the be fancy or you can just sport there's the victoria's secret pink line yeah of gear and yeah so there are various lines designed for women which is cool yeah and then i would say third for me would be indiana's um i think our gear is really good i love the red and white you know, candy cane stripes, I think our stuff's really fun. The only reason why I have it behind is because I think just in terms of practicality of wearing or, or the variety of things, I just didn't see as much as I did with Michigan and Syracuse. And just as an example, we had to go to five stores or so to find me the perfect hoodie. And I have one perfect hoodie for Indiana that I wear every weekend. And I'm starting to think that everyone I know thinks that I don't have clothes because that is all I wear. <laughs> yeah, but Syracuse has this diversity of just really both really funny things and fun things, but also really nice things like that Nike tech t-shirt. Mm -hmm. If I had all the money in the world, I'd wear that all the time. But it was like yeah. 55 bucks, but yeah. it was really nice. And Harvard's fourth place for me. I mean, I, the, I mean, it's so touristy, right? It's like it's, touristy, it has nice stuff. It's nice stuff. None of it's really athletic, you know, it, yeah, it's, it's just preppy. makes prep sense. Gear. It's preppy. I'm not a super preppy person. So I think just personal taste, it's, it wasn't for me. Okay. So Ken Palm, who Tampa basketball season, uh, released a, the preseason top teams and we'll give you the reaction of um how we felt when i sent you the screen cap of the site the preseason camp on first one's out and that's always an exciting time for hoops heads college hoops heads my first reaction was where's tuttle where's <laughs> <laughs> and this joke kathy asked me last night what does that mean yeah i was like what do you mean by that i don't really get it <laughs> <laughs> so the best way i can ex explain where's tuttle is tuttle is the human victory cigar who only shows up if Indiana's really good or really bad, but I'm looking for him, right? Like I'm, I'm, I'm looking for him. And so anytime I don't find IU, I'm like, where's Tuttle? Because that's what I'm looking for. And so top 25, no IU. So where's Tuttle? 
we're a little bit below that sitting at number 30. Yeah. More. Yeah. Does that give you more credence that your basketball season will mean something or less credence? I actually feel a lot better about that considering we didn't even make the tournament last year. If we can sit at 30 um, by the end of the regular season, I will be very happy. I think the best case scenario for Indiana basketball is Devontae Green. That's his name, right? Devontae yeah. Green. Yeah. He ends up being a star. Yeah. Like actually, oh, that I city. Agree with that. Yeah. He actually becomes amazing. Fantasy yeah. takes it to the next level and becomes like a solid Big Ten point guard. He doesn't have to be Cassius. Yeah. He just needs to be not a freshman. Solid. Yep. Right. And then. Same with Justin Smith. Yeah. Justin Smith finds an offense, right? Great defender. Finds an offense. And then Al just be himself. Be his smiley. Carry the chemistry. Team, be the captain. Be a chemistry. Yeah. That's probably the best case scenario. I agree. And then maybe maybe some of your rookies, some of your freshmen will step up. Yeah. That's the best case scenario. The one thing that did, you know, I, I obviously paid attention to IU, but the number that really just jumped out at me where I was like, what? Was Purdue sitting at number seven. And that's everybody, right? Yeah. Like people are like, I mean, part of it is like, and Ken Palm's analytics, but he's a mad genius. So it's almost better than a Vegas algorithm. So it really does work. That's why it has so much acclaim. Part of it might be Coach Painter. Part of it is like the Carson Edwards effect and preseason numbers factor in. Okay, okay. So even though he's gone, his effect is Yeah, because the preseason numbers factor in from last year. But, I mean, without this dude scoring 40 points a night, carrying the team's offense, I don't think that they're settled. But if you have to bet money, you would bet the under on that one, I think. Mm -hmm. So one thing that I had asked Jeff, was that, you know, and based on his response to OSU earlier, I think I know the answer, but I asked him, you know, let's say OSU makes it into the playoffs. Would you root for them if they went to the title game? I think my answer kind of flips a little bit, but I think a lot of people would say I would never root for OSU because even, because some people say root for teams from your conference, right? It makes the conference better. But I think if OSU won, the Big Ten wouldn't really improve, right? Like it would just be, um, OSU would improve recruiting, but there would be no, your rival being stronger doesn't make you stronger in this sense, unless you beat them. But then, of course, if they are in the title game, they beat you uh, just because of how the playoffs is set up. So I think a lot of people say, oh, I'll root for a Big Ten team, but it's really hard when it's OSU. But I think at the moment, I'm just so frustrated with the hierarchy, with the dynastic nature of college football, uh, with SEC people talking smack. Mm-hmm against the Big Ten. So if OSU goes there and smokes them and they beat an SEC team, I think I would probably root for Tisk Tisk, I would root for Dabo over OSU. Okay. But if OSU smokes an SEC team, I would be happy. Okay. I think just because I'm so mad at the dynastic yeah. SEC. So that's a different answer from the one it's that It's a I unique answer, yeah. And I think, you know, Jeff says that this might evolve over time as my fandom grows and I learn more about the rivalries, but... I had told him, you know, if Purdue went to the title game, I would, I, oh, please don't get mad at me, everyone, but I would root for them. I'm my my friends at Choo Choo Hill are so happy. So they're, like, <laughs> they're like, Kathy is a guest host of yeah. Choo Choo Hill. Like, we uh, might have to, we have to call the next episode a Choo Choo Hill episode. Oh um, my gosh. Because... But so I asked, but I asked Kathy, truth or dare, oh no, have you ever worn Purdue gear on your body before? And Kathy, let's just say Kathy took the dare on that one. <laughs> I did. She, she just took the dare. I took the dare. The, 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 there's, the you dare. take the dare, you don't have to explain. Okay, I'm the, not going to talk The whole about point it. of taking dare is you don't have to yep, explain. Yeah, not going to talk so about it. So you just take the dare and yeah, it frees you from explaining. 
Um, but but so the next question Kathy asked me was, would you take a job with your rival if it was the perfect opportunity? And I think Michigan fans actually processed this last year where mm -hmm. Greg Madison was the, I think he was the defensive line coach and he took the double pay raise and he went to Ohio State to be the defensive coordinator for young coach Ryan Day. And he's done a great job with their defense. They looked really good. Greg Madison, kudos to him. And so there were a lot of jokes, a lot of tough, hard feelings, a lot of sniping. I think the recruits were really upset. Um, a lot of people had my perspective where it's like, towards the end of your career, you get the promotion, you get the defensive coordinator title, you get the pay raise, take the money, right? Mm -hmm. And so I was telling you the story about how Michael Spath was talking about this on Michigan Radio, um, WTKA, and he said, if someone cut me a check for $50,000 right now, I would stand up out of this booth and walk out of this job and I would take that job. And so I think you would take your job, just take it, like take the money. And then I was joking too, more, um, more uh, kind of cynical, more diabolical, take the job. I would totally take the Urban Meyer, Ryan Day playbook and I would print, <laughs> I would print 125,000 copies and I give a copy to everyone at the big house. <laughs> so you are not going to get a job at OSU. Yeah, I you said that. announced my intentions <laughs> publicly. Yeah, I think for me, um, if it was the perfect opportunity from Purdue and IU wasn't giving me one, I mean, I would take it. If it was like, hey, like IU has an opportunity that's great, Purdue seems a little bit better, I actually probably would sway um, towards IU so I can live in Bloomington versus West Lafayette. Um, but, but that's where I stand. The funny... The super funny talking about like jobs and announcers and things like that. The super funny thing that happened to us, and and I think who the hell has a lot of connections with the Fox TV show. Mm -hmm. But the funniest thing is, like, I think we were at a bar one time, and Kathy, you asked me, <laughs> so what happens to someone like Matt Leonard? Like, what happens oh, yeah. after they finish playing as a QB? And I, I'm just sitting here, and Kathy asked me this question, and she's not really playing paying attention. I'm not paying attention to, the to anything time, around me. To the yeah. halftime broadcast or just chatting, which is fine. It's halftime. You kind of zone out. You you know, we've so intently watched the game and you zone out. It's halftime. And you asked me that question. And I think, what well, was it? Because we were talking about USC or what, or Texas. Or we we might have brought up USC. Um, and he was, was a QB just, there? He was a QB there. Yeah, yeah. So we were talking about USC. About yeah, it. so yeah. you're like, what happens to someone like that? I think we often, because we now root for our college players so much. So we're like, what will Cash just get a job in the NBA? And mm -hmm. you were flabbergasted to know that Cassius is not going to get a job in the NBA. I don't think he's awesome. And it's like, yeah, I still don't. Yeah, you don't understand that, right? Mm -hmm. but, but I mean, Carson got a job in the NBA, so mm -hmm. we'll see. But so you're like, what happens to Matt Leinart? And I look at you, I look at the Fox Bros. <laughs> and I look back at you, I'm like, hey, look up. <laughs> and, and, and so you look at the TV, and you're like, well, he's there. He's yeah, working. literally at that second, Matt Liner is on the screen. I had no idea. Yeah, because working you're, as like an announcer, sports broadcaster. Yeah, so like that's what you brought. And then, and then your next question was like, well, how do I become Matt? Yeah. Right? So, <laughs> like I wasn't a quarterback at USC. Yeah, yeah, but you want that job. That's why you know who we have. Yeah. But so it's funny. So, so we have a big affinity with the show, and now they're doing this whole like big noon, mm -hmm. which I still think is like a dumb name, but they're trying to beat beat game day. Right? Yeah. They're trying to beat yeah. Game day. So, so it's so funny. So we're watching Fox Friday night game, mm -hmm. watching Fox Friday night game. And, and we're like joking with each other 
right? We're like, huh, do we think that, you know, Urban has the work or not? Because Urban completely has the power in that. Yeah, we picture him just having his wonderful life, doing his thing, and just like flying in luxuriously Private on jet, a Saturday like morning before he rolls in. Yep. Yeah, he's with this family, you know, spending his millions and wearing his, polishing his title rings. He's just sitting there. <laughs> like, that's what Nick Damon does, right? Every night, he's just sitting in front of TV, just rubbing his rings, mm-hmm. right? And so, and so the, the funniest thing is we're watching the Friday Night Show. And there's Matt Leiter and there's and Reggie, Reggie Bush, Bush yeah. and the guy on the left, yeah. which I still haven't learned his name. The guy on the left. But they're hustling because yeah, they have there. to. They don't have the side rings. And they don't guess have the moon. Who is not there? Her <laughs> mind's not there. So they're hustling. They're talking. They're looking a little sleepy Friday night. And they have to wake up and do this all oh, over again on no sleep. And, you know, if you're that good at your job, that good at commentating, that good at coaching, you have millions of dollars. You don't have to work on Friday night. But so that was hilarious. That was so funny. Yeah, because we were like, man, they have to work. Um, and then the final joke is that we have on our log is how acceptable <laughs> is it to approach, talk to, yeah, joke with, comment, make fun of, maybe, yeah, with anybody who's wearing sports gear. Mm-hmm. So my opinion is, if you wear a slogan out in public and you have it emblazoned on your chest or any body part. You better rise up and defend it. Defend your fandom. That's why you wore that. You wore that because you want someone to look at it, to pay attention. You got to defend your fandom. But then how appropriate is it to to say something to a team that's losing so bad? So, so Michigan Rutgers, I will say that night we were at Trader Joe's. Yeah. And Michigan had just slaughtered Rutgers. We saw a guy who was wearing a Rutgers sweatshirt. Ironically, the And question, what did you say to him? I said, do you think Coach Ash is going to make it? And he gets fired. He next, got fired the next, next day. day. Yeah. Oh my god! Yeah, I asked him, but the question I asked him was like, "Do you think Coach Ash is going to make it?" And oh man, like I, I, I never want to, you know, spend a, never spend another man's money, never wish for another man to lose his job. My question was meant to be like positive. Yes. But I, ironically, <laughs> but so that wasn't the worst thing that happened. The worst thing that happened was Kevin and I were walking around, and there was this guy wearing a Yukon outfit. And Kathy was like, I want to go up to him and say, ha-ha. Yeah, I wanted to go up to him and point at him and say, ha-ha. And it's like, wait, really? Um, but I think I have a different opinion because UConn, in my head, before all the crazy conference alignment, mm-hmm. they're basketball, blue blood royalty. And Kimba Walker won the title from UConn. And UConn had the men's title and the women's title together. So I have a lot of respect for that program. Uh, big rivalry with Syracuse. Uh, in the old Big East. So I don't, but but I think I've given you permission to, not that you need my permission, but I, I think you're just a bit shyer, given my perspective mm-hmm. on like, you can talk to anybody. Yeah. I've like highly encouraged you uh, to any Purdue fan, just laugh at them. You see someone wearing Purdue gear, yeah. you go talk Which to them. Which we, we almost did. We saw someone wearing Purdue gear in Boston and we both looked at each other and kind of grinned and it didn't say anything at the time to the person, but looking back, I kind of wish I'd said something. Yeah. So from now on, if we see someone wearing Purdue gear, we will have some insults. They'll be ready. All right. Sounds good. I'll bring it. All right. Well, thanks everyone for listening to this episode of Who Who Hail, a championship podcast. We hope you liked what you heard today and we look forward to speaking with you soon. Who Who. Hail. <laughs>